In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data, so we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office, overlooking the can of worms in downtown Rochester, New York, this is the Computer Exorcist Podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Arena. I am so glad you are here with me today. Today, I have a very special guest. I've known this guy since 1995. That's quite a bit of time. Uh, We grew up together, went to high school together, and stayed in touch almost every day since then. His name is Nevin Hira. And he has experience as, uh, after college, he was a banker, and then he started a cement company, and then he went to med school, and then he came home and said, okay, now that I'm done with med school, I want to do personal finance. And we sat there in front of a bottle of Jameson, and I looked at him and said, oh yeah, that makes so much sense, because that's all you talk about anyways, personal finance. Um, So here he is, Nevin, here. Tell us uh, how you got from there to here, and tell us about you. How's it going, everyone? Good morning. So basically, long story short, started out in high school, went to college, tried a few different businesses. Some worked, some didn't work. Tried to learn, tried to grow. Got into the insurance field where I currently am right now, seeing where I can take this opportunity of mine and trying to help people to the best of my ability you know the the thing that we're i mean we're similar in a lot of ways of course that that's um that's what happens when you spend time together but but the way we're similar really is that we do something innately right like a lot of people they get up they shower they go to their job and they come home but each of us lives and breathes our respective field, right? Absolutely. Anytime we're, I mean, and, and side note, like whenever I say, yeah, I had a poker buddy back in 09 and he told me I should take my business full time. That was him, right? Um, in 2011, I was having dinner with, with Nevin here and, and he said, why don't you take this full time? And I said, I don't know, it sounds difficult. And he said, write your name on a piece of paper and start your LLC. It's not that hard. Um, but it's, it's really, we live and breathe this stuff and this is who we are. And luckily for us, we found out we we're lucky enough to have eventually found out after trying all sorts of other fields, uh, we found out what we're good at. Um, what do you, 
what do you think is the best part of your and, and feel free to you know self promote and tell us your your website sure, and what sure. you do and and but what's the best part about what you do for clients? What I really enjoy is just the ability to be able to help people. I think everything in my life is always coming down to helping people, and sometimes I know what I'm talking about and sometimes I don't, but I always give it a fair shake. And in, with the finance that I'm doing, with the insurance that I'm doing, I'm looking out for families. I'm looking out for futures. I'm taking care of college education. I'm taking care of retirement. These are all things to me that help people down the road. Um, it's pretty much it. And, and, you know, it sounds simple and it sounds, but, but I can tell you firsthand, you know, from, I can tell you folks, you know, from, from talking in Evan for so many years, he'll tell me something really important. Like, Hey, you know, you don't want to pay interest on this, or you want to invest in this or, or something simple that can really pivot you and, and point you in the right direction. Do you have any good examples of, of a situation, you know, like I, on my show, I always talk about some disaster, right? I walked into someone's house and he got a phone call from a scary guy and he was about to mail him 35 grand. And I walked in and he had Norton, which was sitting there twiddling its thumbs, right? Can you give me an example where you walked in and really cleaned up for someone? I feel like, so, you know, I think one of the major building stones of my career is making sure a client has life insurance. Life insurance is good for now, but it's really good when you don't want it. And what I'm basically trying to mean by that is, you know, passing away is a part of everyone's life and leaving the people who you love and care for and take care of with some kind of financial asset, it's priceless. Um, you know, they always say, it's tough to be that person who puts a GoFundMe ad on Facebook because they didn't do a little bit of planning before. Right. And especially if you're young, like you got no excuse, right? Because it's a couple bucks a month, whatever it might be. You know, I know I know a couple situations. I had uh, I had a grandfather who I never got to meet because he died young. And I didn't realize this till later, but he had life insurance, so the family was okay. And it would have been disastrous if he hadn't, right? And it's something where it's, I had another buddy who died before he turned 30. And, you know, he just, he, he got a job, and they said, here, here's some life insurance. And he signed it, and he forgot about it, right? But if he hadn't had that, his kids, would have, it would have been a disaster. Yeah, it's a disaster for a lot of people, because how are you going to maintain a standard of living once the breadwinner is gone? Or, you know, how are you going to be able to do anything? Mom, stay-at-home mom with a couple of kids. All of a sudden, the dad is gone who happened to be the breadwinner. What is she going to do? Social Security will only get you so far. Welfare. I mean, a little bit of planning. A little, little, little bit of planning can really, really make a difference. Hmm. Wow. So, um, as, uh, as you know, uh, on my show, I like to read some articles sure. and I try to find articles that are relevant to the people I'm interviewing. Um, we are still slightly behind in my briefcase here. So these articles come from 2021. Um, so being an expert on all things Indian and being an expert on all things iPhone, I got a couple articles for you here. I'll read both of them real quick and I will get your take. Um, Yahoo Finance, March, 2021. Apple starts iPhone uh, 12 assembly in India. 
Uh, Apple's Taiwanese contract manufacturer, Foxconn, will assemble the device in southern Tamil Nadu state. Apple has been shifting some areas of production from China to other markets as it navigates the trade war between Washington and Beijing. Uh, A person said in November, Foxconn is moving some iPad and MacBook assembly to Vietnam. And by the way, TP-Link, which is my favorite brand of router right now, they moved assembly over to Vietnam. And I'm starting to see, you know, you go to Walmart right now, and and usually you look at something, okay, made in China, made in China. But, oh, made in Vietnam, all right. I think it was my my bathroom vanity I just bought. It said made in Vietnam, right? And and look, I don't care. I got nothing against any country, but it's like you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket, right? No, definitely. <laughs> uh, well, all right, yeah. Go ahead and give me your take on that, and then I'll read the next one. So I'm kind of biased, naturally, being Indian, loving everything Indian. Um, I love when something is made in India. I mean, I definitely would rather made in India than made in China, um, in terms of iPhones coming to India, it makes sense. What's the population over there? A billion and a half people? Imagine sales of iPhones in India, you know? Yeah, people already, Indians buy iPhones already. Right. And, and if it's made locally, that's, I'm assuming that's got to do something to reduce the price. You know what? And, and you taught me a million years ago about tariffs in India, right? There's, at least for automobiles, what's the percent? Oh, it's like 100, 200%, and, and, and I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I think there's a little bit of mafia money that goes into that, too. Wow. So, and I remember years ago, you told me, you said, if you buy a Mercedes S-Class in India, and it's 100 grand, there's 100% tariff, so you're paying 200 grand, right? Right, right. No. And, and we also have to remember that some of these conversations, as you stated, happened back in 1995. Yeah. So today, they probably have some production of Mercedes in India and... True. Okay. Sure. Well, Ford has a facility there. Correct. Um, is doing big things over there. And, oh, yeah. Um, what was it? The Ford EcoSport, um, which they just stopped selling recently. That was made in India and sent to America. Okay. Yeah, the small SUV. Um, the other thing, I think it might have been Dan Bongino or one of those radio hosts this week said, why aren't we moving production to India? It's a country we have great relations with. They're, they're, uh, um, we're friendly with them. They want to help us. They're ready to work. Why don't we move more production there? So February 2021, Amazon to make TV streaming device in India. Uh, and this is Reuters and Yahoo Finance. Amazon.com will start making its TV streaming device in India this year uh, via Taiwanese contract manufacturer Foxconn, right? Just like the iPhones. Foxconn's making a lot of stuff for people. The only thing I have to say is, look, their headquarters is still in Taiwan, so if, heaven forbid, Taiwan is invaded, well, well, who knows if they still... Maybe they'll have to run to the factory in India and set up shop there, right? Right. The Fire Stick will be made by the Foxconn uh, subsidiary in the southern city of Chennai, making the first time one of Amazon's devices will be manufactured in India. Amazon will continuously evaluate scaling depending on the domestic demand. So perhaps they're just making it for Indian consumption and not uh, producing them for the world there. Okay. Um, 2016 began an era of cheap data tariffs in India. How do you like that? They have data tariffs. Wow. So if you're watching Netflix in India and you're watching some uh, Canadian home improvement show or whatever, or some American killing show, because 99% of them are killing shows, you're paying a tariff on that data. Wow. 
That's interesting. Um, Prime Minister Modi's push to make the country a hub for electronics manufacturing to compete with the likes of China and Taiwan. Uh, New Delhi's local... So good on him. Um, New Delhi's local manufacturing uh, drive has persuaded iPhone makers Foxconn and Wistron to expand to India. Pegatron, another manufacturer, has also set up a base in the country. Uh, this has also helped India to become the world's second largest mobile phone maker. That's beautiful, right? I used to have an LG mobile phone, and I loved it, right? I always, You know I complain about Samsung all the time, but both LG and Samsung are Korean. All the other brands are Chinese, so why not have some Indian manufacturing here and eventually an Indian brand? Who knows? Maybe we go over there and start a brand that's native to there. Um, Technology Minister Prasad said Amazon should also work with small local shops and make them a stakeholder. There's a lot of good opportunities there. A lot of opportunities. Uh, yeah, give them some kind of commission or make them, you know, like I'm trying to do, local affiliates, right? Right. It motivates you. It, it, versus being some employee who does the same thing for a set amount of money. If you're a local affiliate and you're independent... You have something to go after every day, you know? Right. You have a goal. So the trade minister said the government was looking into foreign investment rules on e-commerce to ensure that the industry followed the spirit of regulations. Okay, so they don't they don't want Amazon to come in and crush everyone and be a monopoly because they've seen it happen here. Go listen, folks, if you haven't already. Listen to my episode uh, earlier this year about how Amazon crushes its own sellers. So what do you think? <clears throat> I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in India. I love I love the fact that people are trying to capitalize on it. I think they're they're a group of intelligent people over there. They want to compete with China, and they would love to do business with the United States. Yeah, and and I can't wait for them to show what they can do. Right. Right. Um. <clears throat> I just really hope, like any third world country, I hope. They maintain standards, regulations, et cetera, et cetera, because things can go sour quick. Sure, and and with the first episode I did of this podcast, I talked about Ghana, and I did an article from 20 years ago that talked about Ghana's appetite for technology. Got it. And here we are 20 years later, and I know some Ghanaians, and I give them laptops and iPads and whatever whenever I see them, and and they're all tech-savvy, right? And and they have, ever since 20 years ago, they've been setting up shops and doing remote support and, and um, remote work and that sort of thing. Um, all right, let's talk about... Let's get real for a minute, because I know you're good at that. Um, let's talk about phone scams. The other day, a couple weeks ago, Nevin came over to my house, and I got a phone scam. <clears throat> and I just handed him the phone and let him have at it. So he, he chatted with the guy in Hindi for a while, and I said, what did you tell him? So, so what are these scammers really doing, right? They're just trying to get information from you. Right. And, and side note, I was on a show as a guest last week uh, on a show from India, and the guy said, look, they're even calling us, too, right? They're making us look bad. And and what are these guys are trying to do is they're trying to feed off your emotions. Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do is, when these people call, play into their emotions. Oh. Have a little bit of fun with them, you know, give them a taste of their own medicine. Talk to them in Hindi if you know a little Hindi. If you know a Hindi swear word, use it. I've started it's entertaining. to. <laughs> I've started to. They get shocked. Because yeah. I start out sounding like an old Southern. I'll go, hello, how are you? And then I throw some at them. And well, they... I love some of the accents that these people have and some of the names that they use. Like, come on. If you're going to fake it, do a little better. Yeah, what was the... The guy called up and he said he was David Smith or right. something. Right. <laughs> 
And he sa- he clearly sounded like he's from southern India. And so hardcore accent. So what did you tell him? In in Hindi, I said if if I can give you any advice at least pick a name to make yourself sound realistic. <laughs> You're coming off like a scanner before a scammer before we even started. Yeah, and he's like, you know, instead of David Smith, why don't you call yourself Nevin or something? Right, or Rajiv. Or yeah, a common Indian name. That's funny. Yeah, and, and honestly, that's a really good point because if they were honest right there, like if 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 you can see they're obviously lying there. Um, then you know they're a scammer, right? So if they're more genuine, and that's with anything in life, folks. If you're just genuine, you'll get by just fine, you know? So so let me ask you a question. So we were just talking about Amazon building hardware in India, and we were talking about iPhones coming to India building hardware, and then we shifted over to these phone scams. If you know, phone scams really started as legitimate businesses, figuring out ways to make more money. Oh, if we scam people, we can make more money. Mm -hmm. I am kind of worried about hardware production turning into a scam. How so? Are they going to use fake products? Is quality control not going to be there? I don't know. I'm kind of leery of it. So I talked to our buddy's dad who went to Kuala Lumpur. Okay. And he worked doing um, like large scale IT for a factory, and he said, you know, at the end of the night, they all they shake hands and they leave, but then they come back a couple hours later and fire up the factory when no one's looking, and then they make more items that are technically genuine materials, but they're knockoff off watches. Hours. Right, right, off hours, right. So it's technically a, a fake watch, but it's technically real, right? Right. Um. So you bring up a good point, and there's certainly that possibility. Um, but I think my optimistic take is two things. Number one, we're talking about Foxconn, right? And you, Apple, and- right? You think, especially, I'm sure Apple has watchdogs, right. right? At all the Foxconn factories. So I think Foxconn themselves, the stakes are really high, and they want to get it right. And for India itself, you're going to have the trade minister and the technology minister showing up. And chances are they're going to get it right because so, it means... So quality control will be good. Yeah, and number one, it means so much. And number two, it's the first example. Right. It's like, hey, if we, we if we get this right, we're okay. We can't screw this up. Well, some of these technology hubs in India are massive. Tell me about massive. them. Massive. Um, Bangalore, Chennai, suburbs of New Delhi. The IT, the IT in general, it's massive. Yeah, they have the populations to fill jobs. Um, they're getting the opportunities. The education, right? The education it's, is top of the line over there. I yeah. don't know too much about it, but you know, IIT, India Institute of Technology. Right. I've heard of it. Yeah, you graduate top ten from over there, and you're competing with or better than the Harvard and the UPenn grads. We gotta, you gotta connect me with some of those folks because I want to teach them my methods and, and do residential IT. Right, they're all gonna go into commercial IT, right? right? But I need to figure out how to connect with them to do some residential IT. And you know, I've, I've been spending a lot of time on Reddit, as I was telling you before the show, and and I go on Reddit and I see tons of people all the time, and they're all crying the blues, saying, you know, I have all these degrees in IT. 
and I haven't been able to score a job in a year, and I haven't been able to get a corporate job, and my life is over, and so many people, these people are in their 30s, right? And they probably have school debt and whatever, and I say, hey, look, do residential tech. There's a massive, massive demand for it. Nobody's doing residential in-home tech. All our parents and grandparents are out there right now suffering with this stuff, be it scammers or unnecessary fees or whatever. Um, so yeah, we got to connect with them and try to get involved with at the educational level. Um, especially if they can learn your system and and grow with you, it would be a wonderful opportunity both ways. Absolutely. Yesterday, I started training a guy, and and hopefully he'll he'll soar with it. He retired. He's got all sorts of doctorates and all sorts of fields, and he's got black belts, and you know he's a man of all trades. Um, but he wants to do what I do for a living. So slowly but surely, we're going to snowball with this. We're going to teach people. I love it. If you tell me more about Chennai and Bangalore, like what? Believe it or not, I'm not too familiar with the areas. I do know that there are technology hubs. I know the food is absolutely amazing. <laughs> All right, let's talk about that the rest of the show. That's where, where have you been? Um, I spend most of my time in Mumbai. All right, what's it like? Mumbai is, to me, it's paradise. I love it. Uh, the culture, the food. I have some close family there. Uh, it's just wonderful. Going out for street food at 2 o'clock in the morning has got to be my favorite thing to do in this whole world. Oh, I want to do that. It is such a good time. Oh, man, I want to do that. And, you know, with technology advancements and all of the other good things coming to India, everything advances. So the food scene, the nightlife, the cinemas, the entertainment, there's so many options you know, you think of India and you think of something from the past. Yeah. Oh, no, it's completely modern. They have everything. It's just if you cross the road, you might walk into a slum. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. So it's it's certain areas are high tech, right? It's kind of like Japan. I mean, Japan is like 10, 20 years ahead of the rest of the world with tech, right? Right. You, you, uh, they had HD TVs in the 90s right. in Japan. Right, they had you name it. They they had satellite broadcast video games in the early nineties. They actually had you remember Super Nintendo? We played a lot of that, and they actually had a broadcast satellite system back then. So whenever the satellite passed over you, it would beam more games into your Super Nintendo. Oh man! And including um, the background music wasn't the the sixteen bit music we were used to. It would include a Tokyo Philharmonic soundtrack in some of the games. Wow. Yeah. I don't know that I've seen too much high tech. I've seen a lot of modernization. Okay. And when you when you see a city with a population of 30 million people, you know, you see those old pictures from the internet. It looks like a big spider web of wires connected to a telephone pole, and they're all Ethernet cables, and people are like, you know, this is the hub of internet. And then you look around and you see some of the modernizations that are happening. It's crazy. It's mind-blowing. Wow. I remember you telling me like 10, 20 years ago, like, oh, I know some guy and he's going to start the Cisco of India. And that, you know, where they're coming up with these new startups that are going to be huge. 
All right, I got one more article for you here since both you and I are huge fans of Tesla. Uh, this article, July of 2021, from Jay Ramey at Auto Week. Tesla releases full self-driving Beta 9, but neglects the bigger picture. And I say that all the time, right? Software programmers neglect the big picture. They're so obsessed with some tiny technicality, right? What's the big picture? Let's find out. Um, the automaker now relies on Tesla Vision cameras and drops radar sensors, probably to save a penny, right? Just like they dropped the uh, they dropped turn signal indicators and forward and reverse selectors. Hello, right? You think you're going to trust software with that? Your car's going to start going in reverse in the middle of the highway without without your control. Um, Beta 9 addresses most known issues, but there will be unknown issues, so please be paranoid, Musk tweeted. That's so scary. (laughs) Right, right? And that's my whole thing on this show. I say all the time, it's one thing if software is a hobby that you tinker with in your living room, but if software is controlling a car, a 10,000-pound car that can crush someone, it's not a joke. It could be, you know, it could be... I hope the driver has life insurance. <laughs> oh, right? It's, it's horrible. You're right. So then they say, please be paranoid. Unknown issues, right? Because, again, update attacks. I say all the time, update attacks. They fix one thing, and then ten more issues pop up. Like when you're in a sinking ship in Looney Tunes, right? They plug the hole, and then two more leaks erupt, right? So then he says, oh, by the way, safety is always top priority at Tesla. No. No, recklessness. And, again, we love Tesla. You and I are huge fans. But recklessness is the priority of all software engineers, okay? And the article goes on and on and on, blah, blah, blah. A system more capable but not more autonomous creates a danger zone ripe for complacency. Where's the other really important? Oh, yeah. This sounds more stressful than just driving a car yourself, especially given Tesla's warning that the system may do the wrong thing at the worst time. It's like the exact opposite of other vehicles. They're constantly telling you, even though we're hyphen self-driving, please keep your hands on the wheel at all time. Tesla seems like they're promoting, you know, we'll do the driving for you, leave our software to it. Wait a second. That's not safe. Right. It's, it's, I don't know. And again, like, and that's why you and I always clash on things because you're like, oh, I have this new Samsung fridge and it opens itself for me and tells me what to eat every day. And like, but I think there's a difference between my fridge telling me what to eat compared to, as you just said, a 10,000 pound vehicle barreling down the road and the software is controlling it. Right. And and you can't even put your foot on the brake. Well, you you still have brakes this week. Okay. Right. (laughs) Right. Next week, you know, like Apple got rid of the headphone jack. Next week, Tesla might get it rid of the brake pedal. Oh, don't worry. What, right? The the forward and reverse is on a software touchscreen. Right. Use the touchscreen to brake. <laughs> right? Or how often? Hang on, folks. Hang on, Evan and listeners. How often does your smartphone touchscreen stop responding? Right. It's scary. And 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 again, right there. Oh well, my touch phone or my my smartphone doesn't respond. Oh well, I'll reboot the phone. The phone is isn't barreling down the road uncontrollably. Imagine going 70 miles an hour down the interstate and having to reset. What do you do? <laughs> right, and having to reboot your car. Right? And and that's, in my opinion, that's what they mean by the big picture. I say this all the time. It's Look, it's addictive, right? If you're making 
zillions of dollars as a programmer at Tesla. And if you're Tesla itself making zillions of dollars, you, you get high on this, this hype, right? But you completely fail to see the big picture that there's reality and there's safety. And as I always say, the mind of man is holy. Yeah, I, I think, as you said, they should be focusing on this in their living room. Well, they're Tesla, so it doesn't have to be a living room, but they should be focusing this on a very small scale, get it down, figure it out 100%, make sure it's so safe, so reliable, and then start bringing it out. But they're not. This is bleeding edge. All right, so like when you download Firefox, right, there's a new version of Firefox every two weeks, and and your bank always yells at you to make sure you have the latest one, whatever. But there's something called nightly builds, where if you're a computer nerd and you want the absolute latest version of Firefox, you can get a new version every night. Wow. And it's certainly not totally tested, but you're having the bleeding edge. That's what's going on here. Tesla is releasing what, what for example, this was full self-driving beta nine. Is that what they said? Beta? Yeah, beta nine. So you're and I said this in my book that you you proofread for me in twenty seventeen. I said this in my book that we are in a world of eternal beta products. Okay, this is bleeding edge stuff that literally was never tested. And they're foisting it out on these cars. And like you said, start out with a small scale. You know what's interesting, Evan? Why don't they have why don't they start out with self-driving lawnmowers? No, because they got to go with self-driving semi-automatic trucks. Yeah, billion zillion pound <laughs> right. vehicles that are going to crush millions of cars and smash into buildings. barreling down the road, Beta 9. <laughs> beta 9? I love right, barreling down the road, Beta 9. Incredible. Um, that's exactly it. Like, why don't we start out with something really simple, right? I mean, I'm annoyed by those Roomba vacuums and that sort of thing as it is, but, and how often does your Roomba smash into your kid? Yeah, or, or not work. Or just not or work. Or run in circles. But yeah. you know what? My vacuum knocking into my sofa leg is totally different. Inconsequential. Right, than a car ramming into the middle divider, you yeah, know? Yeah, And the whole thing is, you know, the, the whole false the promise of technology, as I say, is, well, we're going to prevent deaths. We're better than you. We're software engineers, and we can drive better than humans. No, they're all smashing into each other, and maybe they might be better than half the humans, but that doesn't excuse the fact that they're still running over several humans, right? If, if you, and again, it's the helplessness. Right? What if it's like saying, you know, we're going to prevent a lot of accidental deaths by by lousy human drivers, but you will have a guaranteed number of people dying because of software updates. Right, and it's and there will always be some people who are weary of it and defensive about it, and they might be okay. But you will have a gullible person, one or two here or there, and they're going to say, no, this is a self-driving Beta 9. Let's get in it and go. And how often do you see articles about that? And people crashing and batteries exploding and who knows. 
Yeah, it's it's people who trust the beta technology. You, how often do you see articles where, oh, you know, they were playing video games or reading a book or whatever while the Tesla was driving, and at least Tesla is saying, hey, folks, you know, you can't do that. You still have to pay attention. Right. Thank God for that. Yeah, and and, and, and like even if it's like I, I I am annoyed by those lane avoidance technologies, but even if you start there, right, just refine refine what you have first before you try to to flesh out the whole thing right and well, it, how many times have you tried to switch lanes in a non-tesla in, you know in a nissan or a hyundai and you try to switch lanes and your vehicle forces you to stay in your lane right. well you're trying to avoid something in the road right because you know better you're a human you see something you're trying to avoid and all of a sudden the car is taking control it it definitely allows you to take control so far so far and and even then i've i felt personally a couple of situations where like i'm battling the steering wheel trying to take control is, I don't know. Is this a future you want, folks? Right? You know, you know. I always call it when you, you click on the wrong thing on your Windows computer and it goes, and it makes that noise. I call them punishment noises, right? And, and that arrogance and that condescension and that attempt of control is now spilling over into things that actually matter, like your car. You're battling your wheel for control. And we love Tesla. <laughs> You're right. We love Tesla. Favorite company ever. <laughs> absolutely. And I love that you add that because I was absolutely, almost every day we're calling each other excited about the stock price. It's just sometimes, you know, is it beta 9? Is it beta 39? Who knows? Right. Because everything else they do is fine. And that's something too. You know, in, in my rage sometimes, all oh, technology sucks, but, but there are a lot of great things things that technology is allowing us to do and if tesla would just focus on what they do best which is uh limiting production costs right getting cutting costs there and making fools out of the other old style manufacturers and and looking super cool pay attention you know for the next 30 days count the number of teslas you see broken down on the side of the road i don't think you'll see any that's interesting. Right, right. And and I get it right. At its heart, the EV stuff is a lot simpler, more reliable, less moving parts. That's awesome. But unfortunately, these people think that they're, it's okay to have trade-offs, right? Right. If I was designing an EV, I would make it as simple as possible, no software control. But they think, oh, well, you know, it's simple. So the trade-off is you're allowing someone to control your thing. Right. No need for trade-offs, folks. That's the whole point of the show. Wow. I think that was a good episode. I think it was great. Thank you so much, Nevin, for joining me. This is the Computer Exorcist podcast. Buy my book for all your friends, thecomputerexorcist.com. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.